Hey guys, Veronica, Andrew, and Nate here. We are Foodies Watching Movies, a podcast dedicated to awesome movies, great food, and that's about it. Check us out on the JIC Network at www.journeyintocomics.com. Maybe throw some money over to our Patreon so we can eat this week. And now your feature presentation. What on earth is that? It's a Journey Into Comics Network production! Welcome back. For those who are joining in, this is uh, a two-part episode, so if you haven't yet, please go back and listen to episode 52, which uh, talked about uh, the impeachment trial um, a little bit, talked about the assassination of Qasem Salmani of Iran, um, and talked about news resolutions, and now we're kind of going to continue that conversation right now. I am Andrew Poor, you're listening to Poor360. I want to thank you for joining me here. So like I said um, last week, we're kind of in the midst of a uh, impeachment trial. Um, as of yet, Nancy Pelosi hasn't. Obviously, I'm recording this. Uh, if you're listening, she could have done it in the past week. I don't know that for a fact yet. I doubt it. So, But Senate Republicans eye a rule change to kickstart Trump's impeachment trial. That's something that has come out uh, recently. So the head of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee said on Sunday he wants the Senate to launch an impeachment trial of President Donald Trump within days and wrap it up this month, even if it means changing the Senate rules. And like I said last week um, and in previous episodes, um, Mitch McConnell wants to um, wants to conduct this trial in full cooperation with the White House, which is not how you should conduct a impeachment trial. And I have Peter on my shoulder, who's definitely apparently not a fan of Mitch McConnell, basically how his reaction. So, the Democratic-controlled House representatives last month voted to impeach Trump for abuse of power in pressuring Ukraine to investigate a political rival and for obstructing the House impeachment probe. Scott Speaker Nancy Pelosi, however, has not yet sent the article's impeachment to the Republican-led Senate, where the president would be tried as Democrats have sought to pressure Republicans to call witnesses. So speaking on Fox News Channel uh, Sunday morning futures, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham said he wants to change the Senate rules to kickstart a trial if Pelosi does not send the articles of impeachment. So Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, a Republican, said on Friday the Senate cannot proceed with the trial under its rules until it's received. McConnell has urged, uh, argued that any decision of potential witnesses should come after senators have heard opening arguments and had a chance to ask questions. My goal is to start this trial in the next coming days, Graham said. If we don't get the articles this week, we take matters in our own hands and change the rules. This thing needs to be over with in January, he said, arguing the delay denies Trump an opportunity to confront the accusation and impedes Congress' ability to pursue other business. McConnell's office on Sunday did not comment on Graham's call for a possible rule change. On aid to Pelosi referred to a statement she issued on Friday in which she accused McConnell of being complicit in Trump's cover-up of his abuse of power. U.S. Representative Adam Schiff, the Democratic chairman on the House Intelligence Committee that led the House impeachment proceedings to CNN, both Democrats and Republicans are now having to go on record and say, we do, or do we want witnesses? Do we want to see the documents? Do we want the American people to hear the evidence? Do we want a real trial or do we want a cover-up? It's clear, I think, from the president and Mitch McConnell, they don't want a trial anymore. With no agreement inside on how to proceed, senators on Monday are expected to resume considerations of a nominee to head the Small Business Administration as they return to town for business after a holiday break. 
Trump is accused of abusing his power by asking Ukraine to announce a corruption investigation of former Vice President Joe Biden, a leading candidate for the Democratic nominee to face Trump in the November presidential election. Yes, Peter. He was also accused of obstructing Congress by directing administration officials and AGs not to cooperate with the House impeachment inquiry. Trump said he did, not want, he did nothing wrong and has dismissed his impeachment as a, by, as a partisan bid to undo his 2016 election win. With Trump's fellow Republicans controlling the Senate with a 53-47 majority, is unlikely to be convicted and removed from office, which would require a two-thirds majority vote. Democrats, however, hoped they could peel off a few Republicans to push through a resolution for witnesses, which would only require a simple majority. Allowing witness testimony could bring up new evidence damaging to Trump. We need the truth, Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer said on Twitter, not a cover-up, not a nationally televised mock trial with no evidence. Some of this I've talked about last week. Now, Trump said he didn't want anyone um, uh, coming forward. Um, he said, um, where did he say this? Um, I kind of lost over, but he said basically he didn't say what, but it came out um, earlier on Monday that um, former U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton uh, said on Monday that he's prepared to testify if a poss in a possible Senate impeach trial on President Donald Trump if he receives the subpoena. Subpoena, sorry. I've alluded that if the Senate issued a subpoena for my testimony, I'm prepared to testify, Bolton said in a statement, which um, is surprising considering that they um, Trump really didn't want these people to, to even trouble with. They wanted him to kind of stay out of um, what's going on there. Um, and since I've been talking, let's see if there's any... Um, yeah, Romney came out saying that he wants to hear from John Polton in, in the Chicha trial. Um, what is this? This is from uh, before I, uh, right when I was talking. Let's see what this is anything of importance. Uh, so as John, um, drug deal witness puts impeachment trial on heat on GOP, Trump cover up if blocked. Uh, as John Bolton defies Trump and agrees to find the impeachment trial, he is placing new heat on moderate Republicans. MSNBC chief legal correspondent Ari Melberg argues, as the ultimate witness, Bolton has canceled my claims that national security prevents his testimony. He's putting new pressure on Republicans who are open to the idea of witnesses and will flush out which senators want to do any fact-finding. Senator Schumer and Rep. Adam Schiff say blocking Bolton testimony would be covering up for Trump. Huh, interesting. So that's what that was about. So more of the same about that. So... Um, looks like there's definitely uh, still a lot of news to come regarding the impeachment trial. So definitely stay tuned uh, in the coming episodes about that. I'm sure when uh, in a couple weeks or next week, um, as you listen to this, there'll be a lot of new updates about the impeachment trial, if the trial begins, if, um, if Pelosi hands over the Arnold's impeachment to the Senate, what the Senate rules are, what Mitch McConnell does. There's a lot of loose strains that need to be kind of tied up in the coming weeks. Uh, and speaking of uh, things that are tying up, uh, came out this morning, I saw this uh, after I got to work, or when I was getting ready for work and just doing the usual morning routine, that uh, Julian Castro has endorsed Warren in the 2020 race after dropping his own bid. So four days after he, headed, after he ended his bid for the White House, Julian Castro endorsed Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts for the Democratic presidential nomination. Elizabeth and I share a vision of America where everyone counts. An America where people, not the wealthy or well-connected, are put first. I'm proud to join her in the fight for big structural change. 
The former San Antonio, Texas mayor and housing secretary during former President Obama's second term wrote on Twitter on Monday. Though Castro, who was the only Latino candidate in the large field Democratic uh, White House hopefuls, tangled a couple of times with former Vice President Joe Biden, he always seemed to have warm relations with Warren. Warren, who's considered part of the top tier of nomination contenders, along with Biden, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, and former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, uh, uh, Warren, so she praised Castro in his proposal a number of times on the campaign trail last year. Short on campaign cash, unable to resonate in the polls and failing to qualify for the most recent debates, Castro suspended his campaign last Thursday. He's expected to join Warren at a campaign event Tuesday in New York City. So some political opponents point to the possibility of Warren, if she wins the nomination, choosing Castro as her running mate, which I think would be a, a pretty good pairing if that ends up being the case. Um, like I've said before in talking about the 2020 uh, candidates, I think... Um, there's a vice president for any of the presidential candidates also running, um, or definitely a cabinet position. So we'll kind of see how that shakes out. So, um, like I said, so uh, Julian Castro dropped out for the support behind Warren. Um, we started with a ton of Democratic candidates in 2019. Another one in 2020 that kind of leaves us where are we at now. It's um, the that pool of candidates has kind of been shrinking up um, between last year and now. So. Now that, we're, uh, now that we're officially under a year, well, I guess we've been under a year for uh, over a month now, so so we're uh, definitely less than a year out from the presidential election. The candidates vying for their nominations is among the largest and most diverse in United States history. There are now only 14 candidates in the race, down from more than 25 earlier this year. The field is likely to continue to shrink as leading candidates continue to pull away in the polls and the race heats up. So, so far, the Democrats have held six debates. The first two hosted 20 candidates each over the course of two nights. But the f the third saw only 10 candidates take the stage due to stricter Democratic National Committee guidelines. A record 12 qualified for the October debate. But after a candidate dropped out and another failed to meet an even stricter threshold, the number was again reduced to 10 for the November event. December's debate hosts the smallest and least diverse of the previous event, just seven qualified candidates. So, in those seven... Um, just to refresh yourself, the December debate. Um, just gotta jump back here. So the seven uh, people who qualified the sixth presidential debate. Let's see if it gives them this info. Washington Post tends to be a little iffy on allowing, but says so. Those who qualified are uh, were Biden, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Sanders, Steyer, Warren, and Yang, which left Booker, Gabbard, Harris, Castro, O'Rourke. Um, Bennett, DeBazio, Delaney, Gildebrand, Hickenlooper, Inslee, Ryan, Williamson, Swalwell, Bullock, Bloomberg, and Patrick, most of which have dropped out. We saw Bullock drop out, Swalwell drop out, Ryan drop out, Inslee dropped out, Hickenlooper dropped out, Gild Gildebrand dropped out, DeBazio dropped out, O'Rourke dropped out, and Harris had dropped out by the by that December debate. So, now, so who's still um, remaining that hasn't dropped out? So Michael Bennett, who is, uh, I don't know why it gives me his age, this is just what they want to say. So Michael Bennett, who has served as U.S. Senator from Colorado since 2009, Bennett, a former head of the Denver School District, carded a profile as a wonky, policy-oriented senator. He gained internet fame this year for harsh scolding Republican Senator Ted Cruz of Texas over the government shutdown. Bennett was close to launching a presidential campaign after that, but had to pause it when he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Uh, Bennett's office said last month the senator was treated successfully. That cleared his way for a May 2nd campaign launch. But has so far only made the debate stage twice during the first and second debates. He failed to qualify for the other events.
Then we have Joe Biden, who is 76. Uh, Joe Biden served as Vice President under former President Barack Obama from 2009 to 2017, after nearly four decades serving as a senator from Delaware. Biden is the most experienced politician in the race and among the oldest at 76. This will be his third presidential run. His first White House bid in the United Senate ended after a plagiarism scandal. Uh-oh. In a video announcement of his candidacy posted on Twitter on April 25th, Biden focused on the 2017 deadly clash between white supremacists and counter-protesters in Charlottesville, Virginia. Biden noted U.S. President Donald Trump's comments there were some very fine people on both sides of the violent encounter, which left one woman dead. We are in the battle for the soul of this nation, Biden said. If we give Donald Trump eight years in the White House, he will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation. Who are we are, and I cannot stand by and watch that happen. Last month, Biden struggled to respond to comments from Lucy Flores, a 2014 lieutenant governor nominee in Nevada, who said he made her uncomfortable by touching her shoulder and kissing the back of her head before a campaign event. Several other women have made similar claims. In the video, Biden pledged to be more mindful of respecting personal space, but Flores told Fox News this week that the former senator's jokes on the matter have been so incredibly disrespectful. The incident is just a glimpse at the harsh vetting from both Democratic and Republicans expected for Biden, who was run for president twice before, but never for such a strong political or never from such a strong political starting position. In recent months, he was reportedly forced to explain his 1991 decision as Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman to allow Anita Hill to face questions about her allegations of sexual harassment against Clarence Thomas then a nominee for the Supreme Court. Biden has since apologized for his role in the hearing, but in the Me Too era, it is another example of why critics believe he may struggle to catch on with the Democratic primary voters of 2020. Biden also has become a prominent figure in the um, in the House of Representatives impeachment inquiry of Trump. That probe is centered on a July 25th phone call in which Trump pressed Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to investigate Biden and his businessman son, Hunter. Democrats have accused Trump of pressuring Ukraine to find incriminating information on Biden after withholding nearly $400 million in U.S. security aid to Ukraine. There have been no evidence of wrongdoing by the Bidens. Biden has called for Trump's impeachment. As the frontrunner, Biden has also made all debate stages during his campaign season. Then we have Michael Bloomberg, who is 77. Michael Bloomberg was New York City mayor from 2002 to 2013. The 77-year-old billionaire entered the race in November after much speculation on his possible run. We cannot afford former U.S. President Trump reckless and unethical actions, the former mayor said announcing his candidacy. He represents an existential threat to our country and our values. If he wins another term in office, we may never recover from the damage. Many have criticized Bloomberg for his run, accusing him of trying to buy the presidency. Understand that rich people are going to have more shoes than the rest of us. They're given to have more cars than the rest of us. They're going to have more houses, said Senator Elizabeth Warren, a front runner. Senator Bernie Sanders slammed Bloomberg even before his final his formal announcement. I'm disgusted by the idea that Bloomberg, that Michael Bloomberg or any billionaire thinks they can circumvent the political process and spend tens of millions of dollars to buy elections. Sanders tweeted amid speculation Bloomberg would enter the race. Bloomberg has joined the Giving Pledge campaign, promising to give away at least half of his wealth to charity organizations. He angered many minority voters during his 12 years in the mayor's office for embracing and defending the controversial stop-and-frisk police strategy, despite its disproportionate effect on the people of color. Based on an African-American congregation this month in Brooklyn, Bloomberg apologized and acknowledged it often led to the detention of minorities. Bodger was received skeptically by many prominent activists who noted it was made as he was taking steps to enter the presidential race. Cory Booker, who's 49, has served as U.S. Senator from New Jersey, the first African-American in the state's history to hold the office since 2013. He was the mayor of Newark from the 2006 to 2013. His entry into the Democratic primary was steeped in history and symbolism, benefiting his status as the second black candidate in a historically diverse field. 
invoking the legacy of the National Movement for Civil Rights and for Women's Suffrage. The Jersey Senator, during his candidacy announcement, urged a return to common sense of purpose. Booker could face difficulty winning the hearts of the progressives, uh, Democratic base due to his past financial ties to banking and pharmaceutical interests. He said he would stop taking contributions from pharmaceutical companies in 2017. He announced his presidential bid on February 1st. As for the debates, Booker's qualified for five events but failed to meet the requirement for the sixth debate. Pete Buttigieg, who's 37, has served as mayor of South Bend, Indiana since 2012. Before that, Buttigieg was a consultant for McKinsey and Company. He was the first openly gay Democratic candidate to run for president. He announced his presidential bid on January 23rd of 2019. There are no policy positions on his website. He has virtually no paid presence in the states that matter most. And his campaign manager is a high school friend with no experience in presidential politics. Despite this, he has suddenly become one of the hottest names in the Democrats' presidential primary season. On the campaign trail, he has frequently spoken about the struggle to legalize same-sex marriage. He has reportedly criticized Vice President Mike Pence for his views that undermine LGBT rights. I'm not critical of his faith. I'm critical of bad policies. I don't have a problem with religion. I'm religious too. I have a problem with religion being used as justification to harm people, especially in the LGBT community. The United Democrats said in an interview with NBC's The Ellen DeGeneres Show this month. Buttigieg's moment may pass if he does not take swift action to build a national organization capable of harnessing the energy he will need to sustain his surge in the nine months or so before the votes. The first votes are cast. Buttigieg has qualified for all debates so far. Um, John Delaney, who's 56, uh, served as U.S. Congressman for Maryland's 6th District from 2013 to 2019. Delaney, a former banking entrepreneur, is known as politically moderate with a swingless to reach across the aisle. He was supported to measure to raise money to build infrastructure by allowing U.S. corporations to avoid taxes. When the repartee profits overseas, they buy bonds that would be used to build infrastructure. My cat is very upset that I am in the office where the cat food is typically kept. Um, he announced a personal run in Washington Post newspaper opinion piece published on July 28th of 2017. Joining one of the wealthiest members of Congress, the first to announce who will seek his party nomination in 2020. He said he was entering the presidential race early because he knows he will need time to build name recognition. He failed to qualify for the first debate, but was able to do so for the second. He cannot, however, meet the guidance for the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth events. Tulsi Gabbard, who's 38, has served as a U.S. Congressman from Hawaii's 2nd District since 2013. He was the first Hindu member of Congress. At the age of 21, she became the youngest to be elected to the U.S. state legislator serving on the Hawaii House of Representatives. She also served in the Hawaii Army National Guard in the combat zone in Iraq and was deployed to Kuwait. She was a fierce opponent of same-sex marriage when she served in the state legislature in her 20s, but she since disavowed those views and professed her support for LGBT rights. Critics have poor, pounced on her efforts to block legislation of same-sex marriage in Hawaii in a meeting she held with Syrian President Bashar al-Hassad. Earlier this year, she penned an opinion piece responding to media reports about her alleged ties to Hindu nationalists. While well, the headlines covering my announcement could have been celebrated this landmark first, maybe even informed Americans about the world's third largest religion, some of it instead fermented suspicions, fear, and religious bigotry about not only me, but also my supporters. Gabbard officially launched a campaign on February 2nd of last year. Gabbard qualified for the first two debates, but failed to do so for the third. She did qualify, however, for the October-November events, but failed to meet the requirements for the December debate. Amy Klobuchar, who's 58, served as U.S. Senator from Minnesota since 2007, becoming her state's first elected female senator. Before joining the Senate, she was a Hennepin County lawyer. Klobuchar gained national attention in 2018 when she sparred with Brett Kavanaugh during Senate hearings for a Supreme Court nomination. She announced her presidential run on February 10th of 2019. 
On the campaign trail, the former prosecutor and corporate lawyer supports an alternative to traditional Medicare healthcare funding and is taking a hard stance against rising prescription medicine prices. She was qualified for all debates so far. Uh, Deval Patrick, who is 63, former Massachusetts governor, uh, Deval Patrick in November, said he was seeking the Democratic 2020 presidential nomination despite an already crowded race in an effort to bring a divided country and splintering political party together. Patrick, 60-year-old African-American and close ally of former President Barack Obama, said he respected the field of nearly 20 Democrats seeking to challenge Trump in no- next November's election, well, this coming November, but he said he was concerned that there was too much focus on either nostalgia for the way things used to be done, or says that big ideas were the only path ahead. In a committee video announcing his bid, Patrick cited anxiety and anger among Americans who feel their government and the economy has let them down. He said he was determined to build a better, more sustainable, more inclusive American dream for the next generation. This time is about the character of the country, he said in the video. This time is more than removing an unpopular and divisive leader, as important as that is, but also about delivering instead for you. He entered the race too late to qualify for the November debate. Bernie Sanders served as U.S. Representative for 16 years before being elected to the Senate in 2006, where he currently represents the state of Vermont. A progressive and co-founder of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, he is the longest-serving independent congressman in its history. Sanders announced his presidential bid on February 19, 2019. Sanders ran an unsuccessful bid for president in 2016 after losing to Hillary Clinton. In the 2020 race, Sanders will have to fight to stand out in a packed field of progressives touting issues he brought into the Democratic Party mainstream four years ago. His proposal includes free tuition at public colleges, a $15 minimum hourly wage, universal health care. He benefits from the strong name recognition and a robust network of small-dollar donors, helping to raise $5.9 million during his first day in the contest. Since then, he has qualified for all debates held so far. Tom Steyer, a 62, a billionaire donor and liberal activist, announced on July 9th he was joining the Democratic presidential field after initially saying he would not run to focus his attention on impeaching Trump, getting fellow Democrats elected in Congress. There's a breakdown in Washington, D.C., and I don't mean just Donald Trump, Steyer tweeted in a thread announcing his candidacy. We're talking about corporate money and our broken political system. This year-old is one of the most visible and deep-pocketed liberals advocating for Trump's impeachment. But truth said he has grown frustrated at the pace at which the Democratic-controlled House representatives is approaching Trump. His thoughts made no attention of impeachment issue, instead focusing on why he believes there's a need to reduce the influence of corporations in politics. He also said he plans to target climate change, which is the focus of the Steyer-backed advocacy group NextGen America. Citing issues including climate change and the opioid crisis, Steyer said that in nearly every major intractable problem at the back of it, you see a big money interest for whom stopping progress, stopping justice is really important to their bottom line. Steyer announced presidency after the first presidential debate in June. He failed to make the debate stage in July and September, but did qualify for the October-November events. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, 69, has served as a U.S. Senator from Massachusetts since 2013. Warren known as a progressive, taught lots of universities, and was a Harvard professor. Warren is the leader of the party's liberal and a fierce... Uh, Warren is leader of the party's liberals and a fierce Wall Street critic who said the instrument in creating the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Earlier this year, she apologized to the Cherokee Nation for taking a DNA test to prove her claims to Native American ancestry, an assertion that has prompted Trump to mockingly refer to her as Pocahontas. She announced presidential run on February 9th, 2019. She also promised to fight what she calls a rigged, a rigged, rigged, a rigged economic system that favors the wealthy. She unveiled a student loan forgiveness program that would cancel up to 50,000 of debt for millions of U.S. citizens. She also supports free college tuition for students at two and four-year institutions. One is qualified for all the debates so far. 
Marianne Williamson is an author, entrepreneur, and activist. Williamson is the founder of Project Angel Food, a volunteer food delivery program serving homebound people with life-changing illnesses. She's also the co-founder of uh, of Peace Alliance and Education Advocacy Organization, the Texas Native Believes. I don't know where he is. Sorry, my bird fell to the ground and I don't know where he is. Hey, come here, you. Yeah, uh, podcast with a bird will definitely make your life more interesting. Just want him to chill. Oh, now he's on the desk. Okay. Um, she's also co-founder of the Peace Alliance and Education and Advocacy Organization. The Texas Native Believes her spirituality-focused campaign can heal the U.S. In 1992, interview on Oprah Winfrey's show propelled her to make a name for herself as a spiritual guide for Hollywood and a self-help expert. She's calling for $100 billion in reparations for slavery over 10 years, gun control, education reform, and equal rights for lesbian and gay communities. In Fort Virginia, she made an unsuccessful bid for a house seat in California as an independent. She announced presidents run on January 29, 2019. She qualified for the first two debates, but will be able to do so for the rest of the year. Andrew Yang is the founder of Venture for America. In 2012, the Obama administration selected him as... The champion of change in sorry in 2015 he was elected as a presidential ambassador of global entrepreneurship. He fought with the Federal Election Commission to run for president in 2020 on November 6th of 2017. The entrepreneur and former tech executive is focusing his campaign on an ambitious universal income plan. Yang wants to guarantee all American citizens between the ages of 18 and 64 a $1,000 check every month. The son of immigrants from Taiwan, Yang also is published for Medicare for All and proposing a new form of capitalism that is human-centered. Yang has qualified for all the debates so far, which is impressive given uh, what a lot of people view him as kind of a, a low-tier candidate. So, um, and everyone else besides that has already dropped out. So, that's kind of where we're at with the 2020. I'm sure we'll see a lot more coming out as we get to the the primaries in the next few months, but that's kind of where you're at, and that's kind of a rundown of all the candidates. Now, the other thing I want to talk about today on this episode was about what's going on in Australia. So, like I like all of you seen through social media, is that there is devastating wildfires in Australia that are happening right now. A lot is burned. It's been crazy. Um, the country is so dry. Uh, about a half a billion animals have been killed. Alright, so, uh, Australian states battle brushfires every year, but this, what little is compared to the widespread devastation of this fire season. Millions of acres have been torched and entire homes have been swallowed by flames. More than 20 people have lost their lives, about a half million animals have been killed in New South Wales by one estimate. And the country's summer is only just beginning. Along with the series of pictures published on his Facebook, Australian politician Leon Bignell called the realities of the fires ugly. We'd set some of the many families and individuals who are homeless following the fire, and we are all need to work together to get them back on their feet as soon as possible. The mental scars, though, may never heal. Um, so, just how bad our things are. So, here's it's all by the numbers, so we just know kind of what's going on, where we're at right now. So, so right now is that uh, about 2,700 firefighters are were battling the blaze as of Sunday. Three have been killed. The Australia Defense Force said Sunday is called 3,000. Gosh darn it, the bird just really wants to be on my shoulder. Probably to poop on me. Uh, the Australian Defense Force said Sunday it is called 3,000 Army Reserves Forces and others with specialist capabilities to help fight the flames. 
There were about 136 fires burning across uh, New South Wales on Monday. Of those, 600 are not contained. The NSW Rural File Service said Monday. Virtually 24 people have died nationwide this fire season. The majority of casualties, 18, are from New South Wales, which has been the hardest hit by the blaze. Three people have died in Victoria, another three in South Australia. Two people are also missing in uh, New South Wales as of Monday. Uh, about 480 million animals have died across New South Wales. Professor Chris Dickman with the University of Sydney estimates the true mortality is likely to be sustainably higher than those estimates. We've said in a statement, almost a third of koalas in New South Wales have been killed in the fires and a third of their habitat has been destroyed, uh, said Federal Environment Minister Susan Lay. And said their smoke in Sydney was so bad that the air quality measured 11 times the hazardous level. In total, more than 14.7 million acres have been burned across the country's six states. That's larger than the countries of Belgium and Haiti combined. Just in New South Wales, there have been more than 1,300 houses destroyed and 8.9 million acres scorched. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison on Monday unveiled $1.39 billion fund to help rebuild communities hit by the fires. About $347 million of that will be allocated within the year. Treasurer of Australia Josh Friedenberg added the Prime Minister already said up to 4200 will go each to the volunteer firefighters battling blazes for more than 10 days. Now, also just to show just how the scope of this whole thing. So, to put it into perspective, Australians aren't the only ones dealing with the effects of the from the ferocious. But parts of New Zealand were blanked with thick smoke, which turned the sky a gloomy-looking orange in early January. Auckland, New Zealand's largest city, was among those areas recently shrouded by the orange haze. Local office residents Gala Georgette told AccuWeather during an interview that she has never seen anything like this in her life. The mood in the city was eerie. It felt almost apocalyptic. It was very sobering. We have known that the Australia fires for months, but this made the reality and the severity of the situation unavoidably clear. Auckland is over 2,000 kilometers away from the fires, about the distance from Houston to New York, so the extent of the smoke coverage was really shocking. We all felt a bit helpless. Many people say indoors the smoke shredded Auckland on January 4th, 2020, and Georgette said the city was almost empty. There were no cars at the gas station, none of the usual chatter that you hear on the streets. No one around. When I was at the waterfront taking photos, the apartments were lined with families looking out their windows. The seagulls flying overhead were in distress. It was an unbelievable scene. Georgette remembers the light, which was completely normal in the morning, but around 12 p.m. the light started turning yellow, and within an hour the sky darkened to a deep orange color. Georgette has turned the lights on in her house in the middle of the afternoon to see what she was working on. By 3 p.m. I had to put my work down because I couldn't focus. It felt wrong, doing usual tasks. That's when I went for a walk and took the photos. Um, she shared some images that show it's just almost looks like the whole country is in like a sepia tone. It's bizarre. Uh, social media starts blowing up. Georgette said everyone was posting photos from their backyards. We were all a bit scared. I was born and raised in Auckland. I've never seen anything even close to this. We've had some red sunsets in the past with Australian fires, but nothing like this. I also lived in Melbourne for two years. There's a heat wave in 2013 and several rural areas around Melbourne suffered from bushfires, but even then, the city of Melbourne didn't experience anything like this when I saw in Auckland. During this event, Georgette saw that uh, asthma New Zealand issued a caution at Astol Asthmatics to check their inhalers. The morning after the smoke event, my lungs felt heavier than usual, and I have a cough. As after the doctor said that she'd been wheezing, Auckland's air is generally very clean considering the population of the city, so we definitely noticed a difference. Uh, Echo there, meteorologist Adam Dowdy said the sky looks orange through the different size of particles in the atmosphere scattering light in different ways. On a clear day, particles in the atmosphere scatter blue light, which is why the sky appears blue. Smoke particles in the atmosphere are a different size than we typically see and thus scattered a different color. 
In this case, it scatters orange light. In some instances, the particles of smoke can be slightly larger or smaller at different elevations in the atmosphere, which can scatter such colors such as red. The orange tint in the sky gave locals and tourists the feeling of looking through a sepia filter, just like I said. A blood-red sky has been seen in parts of Australia where locals have taken social media to show the eerie scene. Um, the wind is to blame for the smoke traveling such extreme distances, which can be seen in satellite images. Once the ash from the fire is lifted high into the atmosphere, it can then be carried great distances by strong winds at that altitude. A strong eastern wind of a cold front swept the ash toward New Zealand, and this was the same wind that allowed that helped fuel the flames in Australia. The concentration of smoke is much greater than it typically seen due to the size and intensity of the fires. It is possible to see see some smoke around the middle of the week. The one thing I want to see stress is how unprecedented this was. The world has tended to group Australia and New Zealand, but the geographical distance between the two places is huge. They need all the help they can get at the moment. If you're able to donate, please do so. After the start of the new year, precipitation mixed with smoke and ash from the Australia fires helped the, to paint the Franz Joseph Glacier in orange hue. The fast-moving glacier is a popular tourist destination from the Westland type between National Park, which is located on the western coast of New Zealand's South Island. The similar to how Saharan dust can be swept from Africa northward into Europe and then can cause orange and brown snowfall. So it's just crazy the 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 sheer amount and it's it's uh, the smoke of the fire is actually causing uh, unusual weather. So intense and voracious fires are interacting with the atmosphere and creating their own weather, including lightning, which can cause new wildfires. I know one thing which I don't know if we'll touch on in this article because I've already been talking a long time on this second part of the episode. Uh, is that I saw that um, because uh, eucalyptus oil is highly flammable and combustible and all that, uh, when these wildfires hit these eucalyptus trees, they kind of explode, scattering, increasing more fire. So that's uh, even worse. Um, so Australia's wildfires, I'm in their size and severity, are so intense they're setting off a series of bizarre phenomena, including fire-driven thunderstorms, fire clouds, and so-called ember attacks. The rain brought so much need relief to Australia's east coast on Monday, We'll say the wildfire risk remains high, which forecasts showing that conditions will likely dry out and temperatures will creep up again later this week, adding fuel to more than 130 fires that are burning around the country. Smoke of the fire is still affecting air quality and visibility across New South Wales and the neighboring state of Victoria. But emergency crews are working to clear roads and restore power to affected communities during the respite. respite sorry. Priority today and over the next few days is to turbocharge the recovery process. New South Wales Premier Gladys Brickchiklin? But, but Australia is not yet in the clear. Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who has faced harsh criticism for not addressing the link between the country's wildfires and climate change, warned the fires will continue to burn for months to come. The New South Wales Rural Fire Service reported that there are still 69 uncontained fires in the state alone, many of which remain severe. There are places where flames have been 70 meters high, and there's no evidence in some places that temperature of the fire have been 1,000 degrees. Um... Said Sarah Perkins Kirkpatrick, climate scientist at the Climate Change Research Center at the University of New South Wales in Sydney. These intense and voracious fires are interacting with the atmosphere and creating their own weather, including lightning, which can cause new wildfires. Fire-driven thunderstorms have been observed before and typically occur when column of smoke and the heat draw in moisture from the atmosphere and create an enormous pyrocumulonimbus or fire cloud, which just sounds like a name of a metal band, fire cloud. According to the Bureau of Meteorology, these dangerous formations can spread fires by driving strong winds, generating lightning, and lofting burning fragments. A phenomenon sometimes called an ember attack. Dramatic footage captured January 1st by firefighters in New South Wales showed an ember attack that pelted the fire truck with sparks and trapped the emergency crew in a so-called flashover. Fire clouds also funnel smoke and tiny particles known as aerosols into the lower stratosphere, similar to what happens when a volcano erupts, which can affect air quality. 
The U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration reported Monday that its own Earth-watching satellite spotted smoke from Australia fires drifting over South America. And over the weekend in New Zealand, the skies turned a haunting orange hue as well as smoke across the Tasman Sea and wafted over the North Island. <clears throat> Though the impact of the climate change on fire clouds is still a nascent uh, a field of research, scientists are concerned that climate change could make fire-induced storms more common, particularly as global warming drives more intense wildfires. Research also studying the impact that pyrocumulonimbus clouds can have on the climate. A 2018 study published in the journal Climate and, and Atmospheric Science found the amount of aerosols loft into the atmosphere from fire clouds equivalent to a moderate-sized volcano eruption. All right. It's definitely a lot of talk. Um, it's been heavy. Uh, hopefully we'll have a lighter show next week. So I want to thank you guys for listening. This has been episode 53 of Poor 360, uh, talking about the the presidential, uh, the Democratic presidential candidates, as well as the fires in Australia. So definitely stay tuned on that. There's a lot to come with a lot of these topics um, in the coming episodes. So def- thank you for listening and stay tuned. Thanks, guys.